0: hey folks welcome back to the next episode of the jedi council podcast where we like to explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters this is your your number one graduate student best friend brandon saxton
1: and your favorite podcasting professor, Katie Gordon. Oh, podcasting professor. I like that. Did a little you, alliteration. You, yeah, did you just come up that with that? That was it? spontaneous. That was amazing. <laughs> I
0: sort of want to delete what we have so far so I can come up with something better. That was really good. Man. Well, we
1: are going to record two episodes to show you a little behind the scenes, so maybe That's you true. have until the next That's one to right. come up with a good opening line. I'm going to be very
0: um, absent during this episode <laughs> because I'm just going to be thinking about that now. So
1: Thanks for the heads up.
0: No, welcome folks. We're happy to have you and thanks for tuning in for our Guardians of the Galaxy bonus episode. Uh, We're trying to... we've kind of developed this bank of episodes now, which I like and I'm excited. I love podcasting. I love all the stuff that we're talking about. But it doesn't lend itself very well to getting to some of the movies right on time where we're a couple weeks behind. I don't like to stick the episodes in the back, so from time to time, like this week, for example, we're going to put out a bonus episode to cover a current event or a current media, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll probably do another bonus episode for Wonder Woman.
1: Next week!
0: Yes, so I'm very excited. So, um, that is the topic for today, Guardians of the Galaxy. Primarily, we'll be talking a little bit about family, and it's a major theme in the movie. It's also a major theme in mental health and therapy, and a lot of times, not always not exclusively but in many times so we'll be talking about that a little bit today but first we'll jump off with current events I think uh which uh I think we just have one really main one which is this the breaking story of yesterday or the day before I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering that Zack Snyder is actually stepping down from the Justice League film Joss Whedon is is going to take over him to finish it off and uh just a just devastating and heartbreaking. The reason why, being that Zach's one of Zach's daughters. I think he has more than one daughter. One of Zach's daughters uh, actually died by suicide. So I think that was kind of the the story broke. And I think if I'm totally understanding it right, they wanted to kind of put it out there just so people knew and to try to avoid some of the rumors and and things like that. So. The, the I, overall, and I, I'm curious what your thought is, Katie. But I think the response has been pretty good. There were some really just uh, what I would call disgusting responses mm-hmm. to it. People saying, you know, that it's a good thing uh, for the movie and, and kind of trying to spin it to be a positive thing, and and it's just not in any way of looking at
1: it. Yeah, whether or not you like Zack Snyder's work or not, it's unacceptable to me to go after a person for their artistic choices by when they're going through a personal tragedy. And obviously, I'm particularly passionate about stigma, um, reducing stigma associated with suicide. And I think that to have people kind of lightheartedly or make jokes while he's dealing with this devastating family tragedy, that was really hard to see. Thankfully, it was outmatched by outpouring of love and support Zack Snyder regardless of how people feel about his movies it doesn't really matter I mean he's a person and seems to be a good person so let's and even if he's not he's going through a terrible time so um, so he he tweeted which meant a lot to see um, yesterday thanks for the outpouring of support I can't express how much it means to Debbie and I and Autumn's mother Denise at such a difficult time and I I think that that's he also tweeted out resources suicide prevention resources and despite being in such a painful place I think that it was brave of him to talk about it and um, you know for reasons he said not to have the media say things that are inaccurate and instead through a direct source but to deal with something that is so painful publicly adds an extra difficult burden and so for him to still be thinking about preventing suicide in others and to thank people i think meant a lot
0: i i i think is it, it was really good not only the people who uh kind of spoke out in support of zach but i also really like the people who took a firm stance against some of the more insensitive things that were being mm-hmm. said i I think that's one way that we can, you know, change that sort of behavior is by having more people saying, hey, it's really not okay for you to be saying things like that. Um, so I thought that was really good, too. I think so. I saw a lot of that happening.
1: Yeah, and, I, and it worked, too, because a lot of people, when confronted about saying, like, what you're saying is insensitive, or even confronting websites that we're using as kind of, like... were accused of using clickbait, Joss Whedon's taking over Justice League. Rather than focusing on what the main reason for that was, there were people who apologized after being told, like, you know, what you're saying is insensitive and it's not helpful and it's also not remotely important in the scope of things that are important in life. And so it was nice to see people also apologize because... We all make mistakes in initial things, you know, saying things like that. And mm-hmm. I, and maybe just thinking before saying something is helpful. But also having people point it out like that, I think that shows that, you know, people can be open to feedback. So yeah. kind of talking in generalities, but yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's move on to mm-hmm. the topic of the day. Guardians of the Galaxy. I saw it I, on the opening night, I think. Yeah, I think that's true.
1: I trust who, who that. Who can remember it anymore? <laughs>
0: and you just got a chance to see it today. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can start things off by just quickly talking about overall impressions of the movie. Would you want to start off, Katie?
1: Sure. So, okay, the music was great. I really liked the use particularly of... So these are just, like, nerdy things. This is going to be more nerdy and geeky than psychology that's okay. or mentally healthy. Well, hopefully it'll be mentally healthy, but related to <laughs> mental health. And um, I think that especially how they used Fleetwood Mac song, The Chain, and they played it at one point and brought it back, that was awesome. I just thought that the execution of that was really good. I also recently dyed a little bit part of my hair pink, so when I saw Gamora, I, f- did, I forgot like how pink her hair was, and that made me, on a personal note, want to go more pink. Um, Like I said, this is not the scientific psychology part of it. Um, I love the colors of it. I thought it was really cool. I love the pacing of it. I personally really appreciated the humor mixed in with the more serious themes. That's something that I really love about Buffy. And I feel like it helps, at least for me personally, kind of deal with doses of the pretty serious themes that were in there related to yeah. family and loss and stuff like that while getting a little bit of a break through the interjection of humor which I some people won't like that but I personally appreciate that style and that balance that helps me to stay more engaged so overall I thought it was very good and there are a lot of touching moments and a lot of very funny moments.
0: Did you like it more or less or the same as the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie?
1: It's a tough question. And I haven't seen it in, in a while, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure. I'm leaning more towards the second, but that might be a recency effect since I just finished watching it about two and a half hours ago. Yeah, still so.
0: riding that positive affect uh, from the good From goofs. that baby Groot. From that baby I Groot. I mean,
1: come on, it's so cute. Um, how about you?
0: Yeah, uh, very similar. So I liked it a lot, and I thought that there was a lot of really funny stuff. I really liked that baby Groot was actually a baby. I didn't I'm not super familiar with Groot mm-hmm. and I thought he would just be normal Groot but just smaller. But he was actually a baby and I thought that was really funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh he he was kind of the star of the show, even in the first. You know, right in the beginning, they're they're having this battle, and you have little baby group fighting like little bugs and dancing and yeah. just sort of being in the way, and they're all sort of trying to take care of him while fighting this super monster. Mm-hmm. And, but the focus was really him, and I thought that was really cute.
1: Yeah, um, that that was that was pretty adorable because they're just kind of like, you know, maybe step aside, but they're still like doing their thing, and yeah. it's just like he's into the music and feeling that yeah so (laughs) it was
0: really cute and and I like that he has a little a little temper Mm -hmm, when he gets a little angry at something and he chases after it so Mm -hmm. yeah Groot was a highlight for me I thought he was really cute and I'd like to get a little Groot to maybe stick on my desk or something I think that'd be fun
1: for sure Possibly one that says I am Groot. I would like that. And that moves a little, like maybe dances.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool.
1: That'd be a good uplifting thing to have on one's desk.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so, and uh, and I, overall, busy beyond Groot, I thought the rest of the movie is really good, too. Mm-hmm. I think that I maybe like the first one just a little bit more, and I want to rewatch it again, like you were sort of pointing out, to mm-hmm. see if that stands true, or if I'm just remembering it with my rose-tinted glasses. Um, but I liked this one a lot, and... Yeah, I thought it was a really great movie, mm-hmm. and I think that maybe that beginning scene actually segues pretty well into kind of the overall theme that we'll be talking about today, which is in the beginning they are having this battle, and Groot's sort of cruising around, and uh, everyone's kind of taking turns taking care of him a little mm-hmm. bit, and I'm like, whoa, Groot, look out, you know, don't do that, or mm-hmm. don't get squished, and and it's kind of uh, kind of a. They're starting to plant the seeds of family Right in the beginning there, I think Mm -hmm. Um, Showing that everyone is sort of taking a role in parenting Groot Not even just Rocket Raccoon, who's his best friend uh, And they were sort of partners before Groot was smooshed in the spaceship crash So, yeah, I think uh, family is is really probably the primary theme of the film Would you agree with
1: that, Katie? Oh, yeah, I think that that was... And, and in a lot of different ways. I mean, obviously through... Did we already give a spoiler warning?
0: Oh, we didn't, and, and I almost always forget to, so thank you for...
1: It'll be in our text, yeah. but if you're still listening, um, we haven't spoiled any of the main things, but we're gonna. So oh, yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoilers ahead. Yeah. Please stop listening if you haven't already for other reasons, um, if you don't want any any spoiling things. So obviously one of the main things was the relationship between um, Quill and his dad, Ego, but there is also the relationship between Nebula and Gamora, and um, like you said, Groot kind of people taking turns Mm -hmm. caring for him. So that was, to me, the biggest theme that there was.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. So family is something that definitely plays a role in mental health and sometimes in therapy, Um, Katie, do you have any experiences off the top of your head while I try to think about my own experiences (laughs) in my classic podcasting technique where you, uh, maybe specific clinical experiences or maybe just speaking generally, where family plays a role in, in your approach to therapy at all? Maybe particularly working with kids, you can imagine.
1: Yeah, with kids, a lot of the time, because they have limited control over their environment, it's really important to work with the parents to find, to create an environment that is helpful to them, and also to empower the parents to help their children. Um, I've mostly worked with adults, so sometimes they're talking about relationships with their parents when they were younger, or even as adults, what that's like and how that currently affects them and their mental health and or working with parents who have kids and kind of talking about that and then one thing that I thought was important was that this idea that there is this desire for belonging and for a parent to be there and with Quill I mean he's devastated by losing his mother I mean Mm -hmm. it's just such a horrible devastating thing that happened to him And he has this fantasy that David Hasselhoff is... like. I don't know if it's the actor more or, like, Knight Rider that he is holding as, like, the idea of who his dad is, but that he has... I mean, we saw this, right, in Rogue One 2. Like, people... Rogue One 2, that's unweird. But also, you know and maybe even Luke Skywalker. Like, this is a similar theme across a lot of fictional things that when people don't know their parents or don't know who they are, they imagine that they're someone who cares for them and that is still out there and they'll be connected with them some way. Or people who have lost their parents kind of uh, trying to reconcile that. And so I know it sounds so obvious, but I thought that this was... A nice depiction, and it must be so relatable that people are motivated by their parents because we just see this over and over Mm -hmm. again. Certainly in therapy, you know, people wanting, they want their, uh, a lot of the time, people who want their parents' approval, and even if the parent has done some things that um, they view as dysfunctional, there's still some desire a lot of the time to have some connection with them and to have some support, and it just, there's just something very special about that relationship. One of the cool things in the movie and if you've thought of your stuff, cut me off, <laughs> it, that I think is that it shows that that need doesn't have to be met by a biological parent and that it's pretty powerful how Quill seeks out his family through people who are not blood or genetically related to him and but who are clearly there for them. And they kind of point out they argue, they fight, they don't always get along, but they look out for each other. And... I think that's a really helpful theme and point to have. Again, it's relatively common, but I can kind of see why.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was was thinking of that, too. Uh, Even, like, Bruce Wayne is another example Mm -hmm. where, you know, he really looks to Alfred as, uh, you know, he never gets over the loss of his parents and always mourns that, but he looks to Alfred as sort of that role model figure. So I think that is a common theme that we see. And it's even something I don't have any personal experience with. I, I... I know my parents mm-hmm. um and but I have a friend who uh you know without uh his father around or in his life for uh you know growing up he talked to me once about how he looked to fictional characters sort of filled that role mm-hmm. uh so it was something that sort of clicked with me when I saw this depicted in the film with with uh, David Hasselhoff or Knight Rider so mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting and and it, it immediately just clicked while I was watching it. I was like, "That—that's something I don't have a personal experience with, but I know someone who did." So that really mm-hmm. clicked with me. I thought that was interesting and uh, and and probably relatable for people. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was great. I think
1: so. And I one of the things that I like too is that it shows that it's not just for young kids, although you know that's obviously really important. But for adults, right? So Quill is in his 30s and he's still. Mm-hmm is thinking about this, and that's an important part of his life. And um, we've talked a little bit before about, when we talk about grieving, that there are celebrities who are, even if they're in their 40s or their 50s and they lose a parent, how special that bond is and what it means when they lose someone like that. So to see something that's so relatable, depicted in a compelling way, I thought made for a powerful movie. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in terms of family in my own clinical work, I've worked with quite a few children, um, not t- traditionally in therapy, but a lot of times in assessment, mm-hmm. and it has been interesting to sort of just work with the family and try to figure out how does the whole family dynamic sort of play into the picture, um, and maybe, you know, talking with parents is always an important part of giving back assessment feedback, and uh, and I've found that it's it's been kind of um, a rewarding experience, too, because a lot of the times... Working with parents in that capacity, they're sort of experience some relief when it's like you, you know, oh, you're you're giving a label to the what my child is experiencing and what I'm describing. Well, and I'm sure there are some things like this and this that are going mm-hmm. on at home and at school. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So that's been an exper- a good experience uh, for me. But that's probably about the extent of my experience of of bringing family into clinical work is just kind of the testing and assessment sort of component.
1: I did think of one thing when you were saying that that because while I was talking, I realized I was talking more about the movie than the clinical work, but when I worked with adolescent boys in a correctional facility, many of them, their father was absent, not necessarily altogether, but uh, wasn't always involved. There are certainly exceptions to that, but there were multiple people that I saw where their mom was their primary caregiver, and sometimes the person that the mom was dating was involved. But um, in those cases, you know, they, they did seem to, some of them look in other places to try to find that family, and sometimes it was through joining gangs mm-hmm. and because they felt like being in a group like that, they could maybe get some kind of acceptance and also protection. Some of them lived in pretty dangerous neighborhoods. And that was part of what drew them to do that. And you do see some of the protection part also in Guardians of the Galaxy, Mm -hmm. of course, that they're working together. And um, that idea that part of our need to belong is also because we survive better in groups, right? And I'm not trying to reduce that to a small thing. I mean, it's a powerful, important need. But There are also some practical implications, maybe in particular for people who are in dangerous environments. And so in those types of cases, it seems like sometimes the adolescents I was working with would sometimes be involved with people, even adults, who did some things that were dysfunctional or unhealthy. But because that person was there for them in some way or another... Sometimes it was for specific needs, like buying them new shoes if they needed them or something like that. Other times it was to listen to them. It was difficult for them to think about um, ending or decreasing that relationship, even for the unhealthy aspects, because there was such a need for the positive aspects, which was quite sad, but, um, you know, definitely a place to work on how can you find those those relationships that you need as you grow up and and um, and then beyond that, too.
0: Yeah, I think that probably does play somewhat of a role in the movie, too, in what we see where I think it's Gamora starts to point out that maybe Ego's not quite everything that he says he is, and maybe there's something sort of sinister going on. Mm-hmm. And Peter's really, like, adamant that that isn't yeah. the case. Why are you threatening this relationship I'm developing with my dad? Um, so, yeah, you sort of do see some of that where mm-hmm. he's trying to, or maybe he's... He's being a little bit biased in the way that he's paying attention to some of the evidence as it's being presented because he does have such a desire to have that connection with his dad, um, which actually ultimately really doesn't get undone mm-hmm. until the moment he finds out that Ego was actually the cause of his mother's death, Yes, uh, in which case he starts shooting him, like, mm-hmm. automatically. Yeah. So it's you can see that he he wanted that relationship with his dad and he was willing to maybe ignore some potential evidence of... Wrongdoing, mm-hmm. but the moment that he found out that his dad was actually the cause of his mother's death, uh, he kind of that was all done.
1: That whole scene of Ego explaining his vision to Quill about the galaxy just was so reminiscent of Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and mm-hmm. we will together, we will rule the galaxy or whatever. It yeah. was so similar to that Luke's response wasn't immediately the same way but I think you're right you see his his motivation to believe this isn't too good to be true and that this this could be a good thing until that reality check you know because ego was manipulating him to that point too mm-hmm. you know acting like yeah I really did love your mom but right. you know these were the real reasons and just actively being deceptive and lying and things like that taking advantage of that motivation to reestablish that relationship for his own gain which is which is very sad
0: yeah absolutely so no I thought there was a lot of interesting dynamics Mm -hmm. there and also some of the dynamic that played out too where Peter felt like he was developing this relationship with his father Mm -hmm. and Gamora was threatening that yes I think he felt a certain level of betrayal maybe about that Mm -hmm. Um, because it's kind of i'm assuming and i might be speculating a little bit here but i'm assuming he felt some conflict about that where he has this new family in the guardians of the galaxy Mm -hmm. these people who he trusts and but you know haven't been around for a grant a great period of time um and the longing for his father who was presumably the reason he was brought to space Mm -hmm. um Really, maybe overpowered the feelings of that he a family that he did have with the Guardian. So there was mm-hmm. definitely some interesting interplay, I think, going on there.
1: I agree, and I think that's part of why he um, looked at Yandu as like blaming rather than his image of his father. You know, yeah. ultimately Yandu. I'm talking about the right person, right? Yes, you are. I have like the list of names just to make sure I'm not confusing people. But, um, but that he. You know, wanting to believe, like, he was the one at fault that his father was good and all that stuff. And then he recognized that Oyandu is actually the one who's willing to sacrifice, um, which is another big theme in families, right, sacrificing Mm -hmm. for the good of the family or for other people. And, you know, kind of his concluding thing when they're doing kind of like, I would say, a funeral-type ceremony is that sometimes you don't realize that your dad's right there, you know? And it did seem like some of that was well, and also because Yandu had it's not like Yandu was had a perfect past or something, right. right you know, so I think that probably had a lot to do with it as well, you know
0: yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting, so just to sort of kind of get myself on the right mm-hmm. page again, Yandu was a ravager who was being paid by ego to take all of his children and bring them mm-hmm. to him, and once he found out that ego was actually killing them um when they weren't able to sort of harness the power that he had. Uh, he actually does not ever bring Peter to Ego, Mm -hmm. and Peter always thought that he kept him just because he was little and he could squeeze into places to steal things, but he actually kept him Mm -hmm. um, to prevent him from dying at the hands of Ego, potentially. Um, Which is
1: another real common theme, right, that you see, like, the parents or the person who's the caregiver is doing something and the kid thinks it's bad, but secretly it's in their own good. For some Mm -hmm. reason that... Theme pops up a lot. It does, to, yeah. yeah. Rogue One, that was certainly there.
0: It must be kind of a compelling storyline mm-hmm. for some reason. It does get grabbed a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was interesting to sort of follow that and find out Yondu sort of, in some ways, sacrificed his position in the Reavers, mm-hmm. which we find out in this film was actually very painful for him. He wanted to be mm-hmm. a part of that group still and belong to them, um, and wasn't willing to sort of betray the reason why he was doing that. And so it was pretty interesting. And that's where Sylvester Sloan comes into the mm-hmm. movie, which I thought was super random. Yeah. I don't I don't, maybe that was just me, but I was Did like, is that Sylvester Sloan? What's yeah. going on right
1: now? No, as a side note, so they, it must have been, like, the CGI was amazing at the beginning for Kurt Russell. He looked oh, yeah. like like himself. Much better than
0: the, <laughs> what, was it he just a CGI person or was it makeup?
1: I, I don't know. I thought I, it looked like it was beyond makeup, but I, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. But I was like, how'd they do that? <laughs> because it
0: was not like, you know, the CGI for um, Grand Moff Tarkin in World mm-hmm. 1 was good, mm-hmm. but it wasn't perfect. Right. But I thought this was like, whoa. Yeah, I'm
1: like, how'd they do that? It yeah. was distracting. <laughs> I'm like, did they have this somehow pull from something else? I don't know. It, oh. maybe, maybe they did makeup and enhance it with CGI or be. something like that.
0: It's the magic of filmmaking. Yes.
1: Well, it's kind of like with um, Leia at the end of Rogue One, right. how they got a lookalike but then did a little extra a CGI point, stuff. Yeah. I don't know. So There's an answer to this, but speculation's more fun. It's beyond us. <laughs> uh,
0: beyond sort of the mental health, too, just to get on more of a superficial mm-hmm. note, how great is Kurt Russell? I mean, Ego he's, is a horrible oh, character. No, no, he's but a great actor. Really fun to he see is. him. is. How
1: old there. is Kurt Russell? That's the other thing I was like, how. He's been around a long time. He is, he was born in 1951, which, quick, do some, math. <laughs> that's what? 66? 66? That's that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, man's almost 70, and, like, I didn't think he looked that old. Not that that matters, but since we're just mentioning <laughs> our impressions, he's just been in, like, I was saying, in the movies he's been, over my lifetime. And it's just been for like such a long career. Mm-hmm. So to see him still acting and doing such a great job, it's really fun to see.
0: Also, I have to admit, I thought it was really hilarious when David Hasselhoff popped up. Too. Yeah, that was yeah. really I good. Didn't no, I didn't expect that. No, I didn't They sort of brought him up and then left him. And then when he actually popped up, I thought that was so funny. Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> that was very good.
0: Um, but yeah, so a lot of really interesting... And I think probably realistic depictions of family and seeking that connection with people who might not be your blood relatives and maybe feeling the desire to have that parental connection um, even in the face of a situation that might not be ideal. A lot of really interesting mental health, family mental health sort of related themes. Maybe maybe not mental health but psychology
1: definitely psychology and all that impacts mental health so I I, you know I was thinking like um with Gamora and Nebula too it's like oh yeah there there's almost like you see Nebula change and that some like family instincts suddenly kicks in right Mm -hmm. because she's just determined on killing Gamora because she's the source of all of her problems and then that changes, and they they have this moment that I thought was really nice, where Gamora is like, "Look, I'm sorry about how badly you were treated, and that I had something to do with that, but I was just trying to survive too." Mm-hmm. And to me, that rang true to situations where um, I've seen kids uh, clinically in therapy, maybe you know, one where there's some very Sadly, some abuse at the home or something like that, and both kids are trying their best to survive, (laughs) but it can kind of split the kids against each other, but also speaks to how strong the sibling connection can Mm -hmm. be and how protective that can be. And so, you know, and when I do family-based treatment for eating disorders, when I've done that in the past anyway, when I was on an internship the siblings have a very specific role, and it's not to join in with the parents and trying to get the person to eat regularly. It's to just support the sibling. It's a special role of let's do some fun things together. Let's cope with things. And, and I think that that really shows how positive that can be for people's mental health, despite obvious some conflict. I mean, here it's an extreme level of conflict. Um, so it was nice to see that part of it. One thing about the family that I, theme that I thought was interesting is what do you think about... So, like, clearly Quill has feelings for Gamora, and she seems to kind of have feelings for him, but she almost seems, like, reluctant because she chooses them to be, like, a family or a team instead. Do you think that's what's going on there? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that.
0: Um, I. It was unspoken. It was unspoken. Good pull. Uh, no... Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. So, good good job playing me on the spot. No. No, I don't I I <laughs> no, literally
1: don't know if that's if that's why she's doing that or if there are other reasons. So, I'm just curious if I missed something in the so story.
0: I, I sort of thought she was just kind of slow to connect with other people just mm-hmm. because her father is Thanos. Yeah, that'll and that do Titan. it. Yeah. yeah. And maybe she's just, you know, reluctant to kind of open up in that way, and even opening up and connecting with the Guardians of the Galaxy on the level that she has wasn't comfortable for her at first, but she's gotten to that point, and it's just taking her that extra step longer to just kind of get to that mm-hmm. place where she can feel like she can open up maybe to someone romantically. That yeah. was kind of the way I thought about it. But
1: That's what I thought initially, too. And then it was, like, towards not quite at the end, but where I started thinking... Is this going in a different direction mm-hmm. where she's saying, like, yeah, there's something there, but almost I don't want to risk it because it's so important that we continue to be family that I don't want to risk that.
0: That but, makes total sense.
1: But I don't know if I'm reading into it. That
0: sort of <laughs> like, the, like uh, reminds me of The Office mm-hmm. when Erin says, after her and Andy have broken up, and she says, no one ever tells you the best part about dating someone at The Office, which is, After you break up, you still get to work together every day. (laughs) Which sort of is kind of an analogous situation where, yeah, you don't think of a messy breakup.
1: I mean, that's a real real situation, even though it's in a fictional Mm -hmm. universe. So, I mean, she's such an interesting character anyway. I mean, all of them play their different roles. But she, I, even, um... Rocket, when he kind of stops her from going, like, it's like she's going after Quill. Is it because she's in love with him? Is it because his family does it really matter? Maybe mm-hmm. there's something in both. Maybe she's sorting through that. Like you said, she understandably is thoughtful in her mm-hmm. connections with people. It's a big deal even to be in the Guardians of the Galaxy, right?
0: And uh, I, another interesting theme was Rocket, since you have brought mm-hmm. him up there. Oh yeah, we didn't really talk much yeah. about him. He, he was great. He was great, and he has some interesting, like, self-sabotage yeah he doesn't really, maybe... Maybe he has a core belief that he doesn't deserve a family. Mm -hmm. So he kind of does the self-sabotaging behaviors that we see where, like, he steals the batteries. Mm -hmm. That kind of gets them all in trouble. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting dynamic, too.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. It isn't clear why he does that. Like, things are, I mean, other, like, what, you know, why does he do that kind of stuff? But he he also, trying to joke, but saying things aloud. And then he's like, oh, I thought I was winking with the other eye or Mm -hmm. whatever. I did think it was funny when Quill called him, was it like a garbage or a trash panda? Yeah. And he's like, is that good? Yeah. Uh, there was That's a theme of, of
0: Earth references that were yeah. actually really funny, particularly at the Mary Poppins reference. Yes. Where Yondu's floating <laughs> down and uh, Peter tells him, you look like Mary Poppins, and Yondu says, is that a good thing? Or, or is he a cool guy or something? And Peter, yeah, he's cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a really cool part, I And thought. Peter finally got an MP3 player. Yeah, he did, yeah.
0: <laughs> It was a, was it a zoom? Yeah, it was yeah, a zoom. Right. No I product well somewhere. Do so, you yeah. that's great. It's uh it's actually totally loaded um completely with just one podcast every episode of the podcast.
1: So. Oh nice. Not
0: ours though. I, I I experience it live so I don't have to relisten. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> that would be a little weird. I only keep my stuff on I only listen to my own voice. Yeah. It's just you with my voice edited out. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah,
0: but no, Rocket was really good and I'm forgetting he, he has some breakthrough moment Doesn't he where he finally admits to Yandu Why he's kind of doing that stuff Am I remembering that wrong where he says Everyone's going to leave me or something like that
1: That sounds familiar and since I just saw it I should remember but for some reason It's blurring with some of the other things That's okay so it's, so a, you know. it's a long
0: movie There's a lot of stuff a lot in lot there Process, yeah, mm-hmm. A lot of good jokes So, mm-hmm. But yeah no I thought there was a lot of interesting themes uh, What was your favorite part of the movie As we sort of wrap up here
1: what was your favorite part of the movie? Sure. <laughs> Let me think about it for a I, uh, So
0: the single part that was my most famous, mm-hmm. favorite that made me laugh the most hard was when Drax is running towards the ship and little baby Groot is just sitting there waving at him. And he just yells, Get out of the way, like younger, dumber <laughs> Groot. And uh, just that literal language was just really funny. And it, that was when it just really started to dawn on me how hilarious it was that Groot was just just a baby Mm -hmm. just so funny but overall i think Groot was probably my favorite part uh which isn't a specific part but rather a continuing theme of hilarity
1: yeah he was he was great i think that like um i mentioned before we were recording this something i like so like the most emotional favorite part was the ending right where you know people all come together they realized that um Yondu is redeemed, and all, like, that was the most, like, meaningful part, but one of the funny parts that I liked, because it reminded me of something that would happen in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was when they were trying to get Groot to not press the wrong button on the bomb, because one of it waits five minutes, and the other one is immediately, and they, like, review it a couple times, and he definitely, there's no confidence (laughs) that he understands it. It's, like, clearly going to be a chance thing, and so... Peter is trying to get some tape because Rocket wants to, like, cover the one that will immediately explode and make them all die. And um, he's asking about it. And then I I think it's Drax who says, is scotch tape okay? And Peter's (laughs) like, yeah, that would work fine. And he's like, well, I don't have any tape at all. (laughs) He's like, well, then why did you ask about the scotch tape? And that's such, like, a Buffy Type humor where it's like so besides the point in the middle of like a deeply intense scene, but i I love that stuff, so yeah, I, I really got, enjoyed that
0: that was really good. Did you have any any least
1: favorite parts that' come to mind? least favorite parts I mean, okay, so I thought of another favorite part, so that's cheating, but um I mean, I think the least favorite part is when because it's so sad is when ego reveals that he put the brain tumor into oh, his yeah. mom, like that is just makes one's heart sink immediately. So that was terrible. Um, I... I didn't like how Mantis seemed to, like... um, Well, she was being used, basically, by Ego, and I didn't like that. But it was nice to see at the end of her own volition that she tells Drax what's really going on. And I also... So I turned into something I like, which is it was just kind of cheating. But um, she has like the kind of empath powers kind of which remind me of Star Trek the Next Generation where she can feel what other people are feeling and i just thought that was really cool and so i like that she's kind of seems like she'll be in the next movie of it so mm-hmm. I, I said, ended up saying more favorite That's parts. Okay. But what
0: about you? So, uh, Mandis is, t- I think, traditionally a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, so cool. I think you're right, you Oh, cool.
1: Good to know. Mean. I've never read any of the comics okay. of this. I I've did only get read one. one. I got the free one on Free Comic Book Day, but, but I didn't you did read it yet. You Not yet. Oh my god. I know. It's embarrassing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could tell everyone.
0: <laughs> um, I so right away I was like, man, they're really putting a lot of goofs in this. Yeah. But it it's, it turned out okay, and I. Th- I didn't think it was too much. Eventually, I was just laughing too hard to care. Mm-hmm. But I thought that maybe, just maybe, Drax was a little over the top with the super loud laughing.
1: Yeah. I thought
0: they really pushed that joke at us, I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I that's just that.
0: me picking something.
1: No, no, I could see that. And he also, like, wasn't that nice to Mantis, even though I know it was said in, like, you're beautiful on the inside, and I know yeah. it's supposed to be funny, like he's just unaware or something like that. But I already, it's like... I wouldn't feel that bad if it was someone who wasn't already being treated so poorly. That I was just like, don't say that to her. (laughs) Like, she's already in a bad place, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) Uh,
0: So any other closing thoughts about Guardians of the Galaxy before we wrap up with our Pearl of Wisdom?
1: No, I just, in summary, think that the family themes, whether biologically related or not, it's great. I could definitely see if you're working with families or even people about family-related issues, how seeing the movie and talking about some of the aspects might open up the door for conversations Mm -hmm. that might be otherwise difficult to initiate.
0: Yeah, well said. That was was my exact thoughts. You just articulated them so well, I won't read them. (laughs) Um, So I think that we'll just move on then with our classic (laughs) Pearls of Wisdom with Groot segment. (laughs) This week we have our special Pearl of Wisdom uh guest star Groot who's going to leave us with a pearl of wisdom. Groot. Well said, Groot. Well <laughs> said. Alright folks. Uh anything before we sign off, Katie? You're you're shaking your head now so, just <laughs> so the listeners
1: <laughs> can tell. No, I've said it all. <laughs> okay,
0: no, that sounds good. Oh, uh, thanks for tuning in for our bonus Guardians of the Galaxy episode. Go ahead and tweet at us and let us know what you thought of it. And as always, you can check out the other great shows on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network on the Geek Therapy website, and you can check out all of our stuff at www.jedi-council.com dot com. We've got blog posts and podcast episodes and stuff, all sorts of nerdy stuff on there. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We always appreciate that. And if you want to hear about something specific, just tweet it or message it or mail it to us.
1: Or carry your pigeon.
0: Or carry your pigeon it to us. All right, folks. (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much, and we'll see see you next time. Not actually see you. I don't know why I would say see you next time. You'll hear us next time. You'll hear us next time.